Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What happens after the rapture? Tell me. What's the next period of time called? It's called the tribulation. Here's something you may want to write in your notes. Tribulation equals God's wrath. The tribulation equals God's wrath. That's very different than anything you and I are really used to at all. What all can we expect in the seven-year tribulation spoken of in Scripture? Today, as Pastor Mark continues to study the end times and specifically the second coming of Christ, he takes time to teach on the period of time after the rapture. The earth will experience God's wrath during these seven years. This is not a time that people want to be around for, and it's no joke. The only way to avoid God's wrath on earth is to place your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Have you made that choice today? It's never too late to follow Him. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Up and Away, The End of the World. So in the rapture, he never makes it to the earth. He's in the air. In the second coming, he comes. In the rapture, his coming is secret. Boom. We know from the scripture, over here, the day of the Lord, which is the second coming, the Bible says, every eye will see him. Very different. Third, when he comes, the next thing that happens is the tribulation. He comes to keep the believers from tribulation. At the end, when he comes back on this, his second coming, he comes to end judgment. And he does that through the battles of Armageddon and all of those kind of things that we'll talk about next week. When he comes in the rapture, the very next thing that happens is the tribulation period begins. It starts. And at the end, when the second coming comes and all the battles are over and the seven-year tribulation ends, the very next thing is not the tribulation, it's the millennium. It's a thousand years of peace on earth. And of course, then we'll talk about that as we move through this series. So here's what you need to write. And you can write it right in Thessalonians chapter 4 there in your Bibles, Vieira or here in Melbourne. This next statement. It's very important you see, we believe the second coming has two phases. The first phase is the rapture. Jesus comes for his church. He takes us out of the world. The second phase of Jesus' return is when he comes back to the earth with his church. We actually, who have been caught up 
in the heavens, come back with God at this ending time, this second part. Now, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Brothers, Paul says, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or those who have already died that are Christians or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Notice the very first important key. We do not want you to be ignorant. God doesn't want his children uninformed about end time events. So Paul writes about it. There was confusion in Thessalonica about people had died and they didn't know their relatives had died. They didn't know what happened to them, where'd they go, whatever. So they were confused. So Paul explains this. And I'm a man of good news this morning. Because I can say to you today, as we go through this, you will not be uninformed. You will know what's going to happen, why it happens. Now, some things we do see through a cloud darkly. We don't understand it all. But the main keys we do. This is why we teach through all the Bible. So you're going to find this morning from Scripture, not from Calvary Chapel or the First Baptist or myself, We're not ignorant. We're going to know about what happens when we die as Christians, what happened to those people who have already died, and what happens, as you saw on the screen, when people are left here on earth after the rapture. Look down at verse 14. Paul says, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. In other words, those believers who have died. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are alive, speaking of Christ followers, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. And notice these two things. One, the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, verse 17, number two, we who are still alive and are left will be, here we go again, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And here's good news. And so we will be with the Lord, how long? Forever. Is that like good news? That's like great news. Forever, forever. Now here's this picture again. On the overhead, let me explain to you what happens. Some of you are maybe a little confused as to what really takes place. So let's go through this as you take a look at the screen. We're talking about the rapture, right at the end of the church age. There's a moment in time when God comes for his children. Jesus comes in the air. What happens? Notice you just read the dead in Christ. That means Christ's followers who have previously died will be resurrected to meet Christ in the air. How does that work? Well, remember when a Christian dies, their spirit goes where? Immediately to heaven. So if you would die today, before the rapture, and you're a Christian, your body goes into the ground, either cremation or, or into a casket, but your spirit goes where? Immediately with the Lord. We don't believe that the Bible teaches soul sleep. Jesus said to the man, the thief that agreed 
to ask him for forgiveness. Remember what Jesus said to the thief? Today you'll be with me in, in paradise. Paul said, absent from the body, we're immediately present with the Lord. So any of our, my dad, my mom, my brother, many of your relatives have died. Their spirit is with God in heaven. Instantly, they go to heaven. Now, we don't know exactly what happens at that point. Most people, and I'm, I'm one that believes this, they get a temporary kind of spiritual body. But when the rapture occurred, he's in the air. Instantaneously, their body meets their spirit and they get their permanent new body. Now, does anybody wonder what that body down here looks like? Huh? Now, what were we made of to start with? Tell me. See, we're just dirt bags. That's all we are. And people say, well, how can God correct I mean, how can God put this body that's been in the grave for 25 years or whatever with the spirit? How how can he put that together? I have no idea. He had no problem the first time. He'll have no problem the second time. (laughs) This is why we have no problem at all with cremation. Many of you email me all the time. Well, I think cremation is unbiblical. Well, where are you going to find that? No, it's not unbiblical at all. Because all cremation does is speed up what life does. So... I mean, my dad's been dead 20 years. If I go and open his casket, you know, in a nice suit, pastor's tie, what do you think's in there? Dust. Same thing there is in cremation after just a few minutes. So relax. It's okay. God's having no problem. He can find the dust. Well, we scattered the ashes. No problem. <laughs> relax. He's God. He's not your mortician trying to find out. Well, why don't they even forget it? So immediately they get a brand new body. Now, why do they go before us that are alive? Here's why. They got farther to go. They're six feet under. Oh, sorry. All right. Now, what happens next? Well, we just learned. After the dead in Christ rise, notice what the scripture said. We who remain and are alive join them. So let's say the rapture happened right now. All of a sudden, what happens here is, immediately my body goes right up into the heavens, in the air. And what happens then? I get a new body. Is anybody excited about that? Yes. Immediately, my spirit puts on a new heavenly body, one fitted for eternity, just like the dead in Christ have already got. And when that happens, it's a beautiful thing. No more pain. No more suffering, no more sin, no more death, no more Botox. (laughs) Ladies, husbands, you'll be ecstatic. Your wife will never be late because of having to put on makeup. Her face will be perfect, beautiful. And by the way, those of you that are always late to church, I'll never have to say anything to you again. You know why? Because there's no time in heaven. It's going to be beautiful. And by the way, I'm going to be 6'11". You know that. And it's going to be a great time. Now, as that all happens, we go right to heaven. And so we will be with the Lord forever. You see, that's the promise. And Jesus said, you don't have to worry. I'm coming back for you. The rapture causes that to happen. 
The rapture causes that to happen. Dead in Christ rise first. They've already been, their spirit's been in heaven, joins their body, brand new body. Those of us that are alive, that are Christ followers, immediately go to the air, we get our brand new body. We go to the Father's house, and then forever in heaven, we are with the Lord. What happens after the rapture? Tell me. What's the next period of time called? It's called the tribulation. Here's something you may want to write in your notes. Tribulation equals God's wrath. The tribulation equals God's wrath. That's very different than anything you and I are really used to at all. Well, what is that tribulation period going to be like? What do you mean God's wrath? What's the world going to look like? Here's two verses. First verse, Matthew 24. Jesus speaking. He said, during this tribulation, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. In other words, during the seven years, there's going to be, what we're going to see stuff that we have never seen before. We won't. We'll see it from heaven. It's going to be disastrous. The second verse is very interesting. Notice, Revelation 6, 17, for the great day of the wrath has come, and who is able to survive? We learned last week that one half of the world's population will die during those seven years. One half of the world's population. You say, well then, why the rapture? What's the purpose of the rapture? Why does God take his church out? Why, why does this happen? Well, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9. Paul answers the question. For God did not appoint us, Christians, Christ followers, to suffer wrath. If you want to, you can just write up on top of that, his wrath. But to receive salvation... Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says God has not appointed his followers to experience his wrath. You say, Pastor Mark, that doesn't make sense. I've heard you teach that the Bible says in this world you will have tribulation. Jesus said it. You're exactly right. But the tribulation and the trouble and the persecution you and I suffer today does not come from God. It comes from Satan and sin. You see, we die today not because of God, but because of the penalty of sin. Children that have disease and cancer and all the different things that we have in our world, the tremendous, the wars, the people dying in the wars, and all the malformed children that are born, that's not God. It was never God. It's because of man. All the people that are persecuted for Christ, people dying every single day for their faith. Well, that isn't God killing them. That's Satan. So understand today, yes, we're going to have tribulation, but we don't experience the tribulation. Notice the rapture has two aspects in that verse, salvation and wrath. If I'm saved, I will never experience the wrath of God. If I'm not, and already dead, and didn't go to heaven, oh, I'll experience that wrath forever. If I'm left during those seven years, I will experience God's wrath on earth. And if I don't accept the Lord, I will experience his wrath forever. You see, one of the main purposes of God was to protect his people 
from his wrath. You either belong to God or you belong to Satan. And Satan is the ruler of the world. There's only two kingdoms. If you're not born again, if you're not a real Christian, you belong to the world of Satan. You will experience the wrath. First Thessalonians 1.10 says, Jesus who rescues us, snaps us out, catches us away from the coming wrath. Now we don't only see this picture of God taking care of his children from his wrath in the New Testament. We see it beautifully in the Old Testament. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. Viera, Matthew chapter 24. Those of you watching by the internet, Matthew chapter 24. Scoot on down to verse 36. And let me just make this disclaimer again. There are wonderful Bible teachers that believe in the rapture and everything that I'm teaching this morning that don't really see the rapture in Matthew 24. I, like Chuck Smith and others, I I see parts of the rapture there. Let's say it's not there. The principles are going to be the same. You'll see it very clearly. One of the reasons I see it there is because I think that Peter, who was there during this time, he wrote about what he heard Jesus speak about as they were there on the Mount of Olives. Notice what Peter says. And God did not spare the ancient world. So Peter's going back to the Old Testament. Except for Noah and seven others in his family. And Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment or his wrath. So God, here we are, protected Noah when he destroyed the world of ungodly people with a vast flood. Now look at Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 36. Noah knows about that day or hour, nor even the angels in heaven or the Son, but only the Father. Verse 37, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying, giving marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now look at me for a moment. Who's right? Who's saying verses 36 through 39? Who's speaking? Tell me who's speaking. Jesus is speaking. Is that right? Jesus is speaking. Here's what I hear people say. Pastor Mark, I love Jesus. He's got some really neat things in the Bible. I like his teaching. But I'm not into the Old Testament stuff. I mean, Jonah in the whale. Come on. I mean, Noah in a flood. Come on. In an ark. You got to be kidding me. Well, wait a minute. As you just read that, who, who did I ask who was speaking? Notice Jesus say this. Now the fable about Noah and the ark. So does Jesus believe in Noah and the ark? Did he believe there's a flood? Yes. So you can't believe in Jesus, listen, and not believe in Noah and the ark. It's impossible. Because you're calling Jesus a liar. So Jesus uses this Old Testament illustration of the wrath of God. There's three pictures of God's wrath in the Old Testament main. Number one. The demons, who were previously angels, when they said, along with Lucifer, we're going to not serve God, we're going to serve Lucifer. God's judgment came on them. Second is Noah. It's the wrath of God. Now, notice as you look at this, 
It says that before the days of the flood, people were eating, drinking, marrying, giving marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. So what was that like? What was life like during that time? Well, it was just normal, everyday life. Doing normal things, working, marrying, taking care of the kids, go to the soccer field, all the normal stuff. It was just good stuff that's happening every single day. Here's the key. Without God. You see, these people... Only no one in his family had any relationship with God. These were all good people. The earth was filled with people. You'll see they're not that good. And their life didn't consist of anything with God. And then Jesus said, this is how it's going to be at the coming of the Son of Man. I see great parallels, don't you? Well, what was happening in Noah's day? How bad was it? Let me read to you from Genesis 6. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. You see, finally God says this, enough is enough. I'm going to send my wrath on the earth by means of a flood. You say, Pastor Mark, that's why I don't become a Christian. The wrath of God. No. Time out. God, for 120 years before this, had Noah preaching about the coming judgment. In God's grace... Noah preached for 120 years that there was a judgment coming. Noah warned the people that judgment was coming. What am I doing here today? I'm like a Noah in some ways. I'm saying to you, because see, when this happened, it's very difficult. Why was it difficult? Well, think of the times. Noah was building a boat in the desert. That ought to cause your eyes to open. It had never rained on the earth. So Noah said, there's a flood coming. A what? Never heard of it. He said, no, God said there's a flood coming. So Noah believed in something that hadn't come yet because God said it was coming. And what did all the people do? They laughed. For 120 years, they laughed. Well, you idiot. Here I am today saying to you, on the authority of God's word, There's a seven-year period called the tribulation coming. Pastor Mark, we've never seen it before. You're right. But it's coming. You see, I'm doing the very same thing. Every pastor who believes the Word of God is doing the same thing. We're warning people. We're warning people to be ready for the coming judgment. Not because of God's wrath, because of God's love. We can know, we can understand what's going to happen. Throughout history, God has shown that love is his main purpose in all that he does. Today we learn from Pastor Mark that just as God saved Noah and his family from the flood, so will he save Christ followers from his judgment and wrath on earth. Scripture confirms that our Lord operates in a heart of unmatched love and protection for his followers. As the end of the world draws nearer, find peace in God's promises. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. 
We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. How can we prepare for the rapture that is to come? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will give listeners five things we should be doing right now as Christ followers. The next event on God's calendar is the rapture. But there are few signs given in Scripture to expect when it comes. We must be ready for it at all times and be sure our lives are representing Christ in a way that would be pleasing to Him and appealing to others. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. i